What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of For Her. This is an ongoing series from Shoe Palace and Nike where we're illuminating female leaders in the Black and Latinx community who are actively making change in the world around them. I'm your host, Natalia Perez, and on this episode, we're joined by YJC, the Youth Justice Coalition. YJC is made up of so many passionate people who are trying to make a change in their community. One of their big goals is to dismantle politics policies and institutions that have ensured the massive lockup of people of color. They use direct action organizing, advocacy, police education, and activist arts to agitate, expose, and pressure the people in charge in order to upset power and bring about change. And on top of that, they founded their very own school, Free LA High School. The ladies that are joining us from YJC today really opened up. They were vulnerable and shared their own personal stories, but also gave us so much passion about what they're doing in their community. I think you're really, really going to like it. So here it is, episode seven of For Her with Youth Justice Coalition. And be sure to subscribe to For Her wherever you listen to your podcast to get every episode as we roll them out in the month. Months ahead. We are back! Yay! Yes. We're back. It's been a minute since we've seen everyone. Um, this is For Her, our podcast from Nike and Shoe Palace, where we talk about everything from that involves our lives to hopefully inspire you guys, whether it's plants that we've done before, journaling, skating, dancing, exploring all of those passions and giving you and hopefully inspiring you guys. And uh, today it's a, this is something that's really amazing because it is this pillar is about activism and what we can do in our communities to hopefully move things forward in a better direction and really speaking up for whether it is someone like ourselves or for people who maybe don't have the chance to speak up. And so, yes, today we have the Youth Justice Coalition. Why don't you guys introduce each of yourselves to the young ladies? Yeah, hello, good morning. My name is Lupita. Uh, I am the Free LA Youth Coordinator at the Youth Justice Coalition. Um, I guess a fun fact about me is I grew up at the space. I was probably 16, 17. I'm 22 years old now. Um, it is my second home and I'm so glad and honored to be with you all and to share my story and to share my experience with you all. Hi, my name is Josiah. I'm sorry, my, I'm nervous. My voice doesn't crack. My name is <laughs> okay. Josiah Holiday. Um, as of right now, I'm the garden teacher at Free LA and I've been doing this for a year now. Um, hi everyone, uh, my name is Tony Sarkour. Um, I have been organizing since I was 13. So I've been organizing for almost 14 years. I've been with YJC for nine years. Um, I'm excited to be here with y'all. Nice. So tell us, what is Youth Justice Coalition? Yeah, so Youth Justice Coalition is a youth-led organization. Uh, we fight for social justice, so anything that has to do with Prop 57, anything that has to do with reforming juvenile justice and incarceration system in general is what we specialty, I would say. Um, from creating state laws, passing county motions, and from stepping on the county board's neck and making sure. Hey. <laughs> I'm just being honest. That's, that's what we, that, we love it. Please, please be honest. Um, and demanding, like, yeah, that's who we are. Um, I think it's very, it's very unique that we're youth-led. We're a horizontal organization, so there's no hierarchy. What I mean about that is that I don't have a boss, she doesn't have a boss, but we hold each other accountable, right? And uh, we have a very transparency, um, just a very horizontal um, structure, right? But, you know, it does has this up and down, don't get me wrong, but the power of communication is what has brought in everything to continue going forward. I don't know if you guys want to add something. Um, something that makes us unique is that we're all system impacted in one way or another. So, like, I was in the foster care system, like, some people have records, like, we, we literally, like, take everyone in and we advocate for people to talk about issues that specifically relate to them. So, I do a lot of things around uh, mass incarceration and foster care because I was in foster care. So they trust me to lead that fight. Like for, um, there's some people that got pushed out and then went to jail. So they trust them to lead the fight on jail. So everything that we talk about are issues that we um, have faced or do face in our current lives. And yeah, so like I think that's something that makes us um, 
really unique and we're very community based and very community focused y'all literally could walk in and be like i'm hungry and we'd be like all right let me get you a plate like, yeah it's not like it literally we're all we're just very like community focused and and young people led yeah, one thing I want, I'm sorry, one no, thing I want to add in, it's like sorry. we do yeah. so much, but one thing I want to add in is we're also in partnership with Youth Build Charter, so we have our own high school, right? And we cater from 15 till there's no age cap. We have um, you have young women with their, with their babies mm -hmm. attending class, right? We're basically like the last stop for students. Like if you went there, if you go there, like you have no choice, nowhere else. All the traditional schools has kicked you out and led you out to this point. But Chuko's, the YJC, is hope. Like, it just brings us hope. Like, I went in there and I'm like, yo, I'm just trying to get my high school diploma, but actually, like, they swallowed me in there. Like, <laughs> I stayed there. So we can go more deep into that later. Go, go into yeah. it. Yeah. Like, well, tell us, well, well, how, know, how did they swallow yeah. you in there? Um, you know, I was a young person when I went there. Um, I was like very, I was going through it. I was a hot mess in general. Like, can't nobody tell me nothing. I had just lost my sister and I was working two jobs. High school was like, I'm only trying to get my high school diploma. That's it. Like, that's the bare minimal. That's all I could give to my mom as her, like, supporting me through my whole life. That's the only thing I could really give to her. So I went in there with that mentality, but then when I'm going to these rallies and they're talking about defunding the police, when they're talking about youth centers, when they're talking about redirecting funds from law enforcement's budget to go to youth centers, peace builders, youth jobs, youth center, uh, bus passes, K to 12. I'm like, where the hell have I been at my whole life? Like, I've been thinking about this. Like, I need a place like this to go to, right? Um, and then I just started off with their leadership program. And from there, I started to wear many caps. I started to, um, move away from my environment. I was born and raised in South Central. I was trying to go to Atlanta. I was starting to go to uh, Chicago. I was starting to go to all these different states. And I realized that the world is really huge, that I can't settle for a couple of blocks. I can't settle for my own community. And I acknowledge that when I would leave and I come back, everybody else was still in the same place. Mm -hmm. They didn't do nothing. So to me, I'm like, it, it was hurtful because I would like to bring them along too. But at the same time, the experience that I brought back is the people power. Like we could really do this and dismantle this. Like we go through it. We don't, we don't even know why people go, go to jail, but we just know you go to jail. Right. Mm -hmm. But learning that I was, I was able to like pass laws and then I meet young people that be like, I came home due to that law. I'm like, no way. Like I was up in there in the Capitol talking <laughs> shit to them. And like you're home, he's like, yeah. Like, and it's a young person, 18, 19 years yeah. old, right? And his life would have been wiped away if, if we weren't there, right? If we weren't taught that. But I would just say like, it really just comes with just being informed and being woke, right? Like this whole George Floyd thing, I'm glad people are being woke. I'm glad people are being informed. But you know, the acknowledgement that that has not been the first time it has happened in a, in a great arising here in LA, right? We have the LA riots. Like people need to know this history so this history won't return back. Like I'm glad Manchester Park is named after um, the young lady that got killed for the orange juice, right? Like I'm glad that people are getting woke and getting some type of reparation back. Not how we would want, but some some type of way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. For, your passion is amazing, by the yeah. way. I, 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 I got to call you out for that. And I, I'm hoping it rubs off on me right in here because I, I need that. So that's, a, that's amazing. That's amazing. What brought you here? Yeah. Um, I had a real difficult story, and I just want to tell y'all I'm sorry in advance because I always cry. Um, I was 17? 17 years old. Um, I had been kicked out of uh, the school district in ninth grade. So um, I was always going to continuation schools. So I had found this one continuation school, and I was going there. Um, and second semester, I started falling asleep and stuff, couldn't figure out why. Um, and I ended up getting kicked out. <clears throat> After I got kicked out, wait, fast forward, because before that, so in the summer, I think it was summer, April 10th, um, I caught my first case. Um, and I had a felony, and but I didn't go to court for a long time. And that was my first case, like I have never been involved in like nothing like that before. 
So I don't know what was gonna happen to me. Um, I was young, I was scared. Um, but in that same month, I managed to catch another case. Um, like literally days apart. Um, so then I start going to school. Then I start falling asleep. Then I got kicked out. When I got kicked out, um, I was already on probation. Um, I didn't have the schools to go to because most schools are, you know, LA district. Um, and it's not a lot of continuation schools that you can go to. So somebody had referred me to Chico's. When I got referred to Chico's, I found out I was pregnant. Um, so that was like a whole, a whole just, uh, just being young. I hid my whole pregnancy from my mom. I hid my whole pregnancy from everybody. Um, got to Chico's. I met my teacher, Mr. B. Um, I was real depressed. I cut off all my hair. Um, so this is all new hair. I cut off <laughs> everything beautiful. I had. Thank you. Um, and I was, I was real depressed. I hated myself for a long time. I feel like people that, oh, so to be clear, I did get an abortion because I didn't know what was going to happen to me. I didn't know if I was going to go to jail, how long I was going to go to jail. And I just felt like even just giving birth in jail, having to send my baby to somebody else, whatever the case may be, I didn't want that. So um, I did end up getting an abortion and I hated myself because I hate the way that girls are talked about for getting abortions. Like I hate it. I got one abortion in my whole lifetime and people would just be like, oh, can, can I mind my, can I, can I, can I press first? People act like girls who get abortions just be out here fucking everybody and then they just run to, you feel me, to go get an abortion. That's, that wasn't my case. And that's not a lot of girls' cases. Um, from the people I have talked to who have like a similar story to me, that's, that's not the case at all. Um, so I did get an abortion and after that, I felt like I was going to be okay. I felt like I don't have a baby no more, so that was just me. I just got to, you know, do what I got to do to, you know, get off of probation. That was a lie. Literally, the day after I walked out the hospital, I started having, like, uh, like I was suicidal. I was depressed. Like, when I say everything you can think of, I was, it, that was me. Like, I did not, I shut myself off from the world. I started losing weight. Like, I was just really doing hella, hella bad. And I was not talking at the time. I was not getting no counseling, no kind of therapy, no kind of nothing. So I started going to Chico's. I met my teacher. And he was just this outgoing, just unjudgmental, just like person that you would never expect. So slowly but surely, like I started talking to him. And when I used to come to school, like from the day I checked in there, I had a black puffer jacket on, a scarf, and a bonnet. That's what I wore every single day. Nobody ever seen my hair when I put it on, nobody except for the people I lived with. But other than that, nobody knew I cut my hair off. Um, he played me, I taught him how to play man collar and he played me to see my hair. And that's what happened. And he was the only person that seen my hair. And so um, we used to just talk and then he introduced me to a couple other people and then I started getting therapy, counseling. Uh, counseling was not like, normal counseling like counseling I feel like with counseling in the world I've had mandatory counseling before but this counseling is something totally different counseling outside in the world you tell them you want to kill somebody you want to kill yourself they're going to mandate report that that's their job that's what they're supposed to do my counselor I have talked to her it's just about how I feel and she reassures me and she tells me this is going to happen if you do this is what's going to happen. She gives me coping mechanisms, like all kind of breathing and just sitting there and talk videos. Like she's just real down to earth and just real. And she's older. I think that's what it is. Too. <laughs> they got the, they the nurturing mm -hmm. spirit. Yeah. So like when I'm upset, I could literally run back there to her. I could be in the middle of my job. And if I feel myself just finna be uh -huh. me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and after that, I would say coming to Chico, I'm not going to say it, it's the truth. Um, I got court support. Everything that they gave me on my um, probation papers when you become a ward of the state, um, 
I had to get done in six months. And before I was coming to Chico's, I came to Chico's like my last couple months of doing what I needed to do. So I didn't think I was going to get off probation. Honestly, I got there. I started getting court support, which means I had people come to court with me. Um, all my paperwork was taken care of. All my community service was taken care of. Everything. I didn't have to worry about nothing. I just had to show up, do what I had to do. And I got off probation in six months, a month before my birthday. Wow. So that's how I came to Chico's. Wow. Oh, thank you for sharing. Yes. Wow, it's like, of course I get to go right after that story, of course. <laughs> um, so what brought me to Chuko's, it's really funny. Um, I can tell this story now, but um, I was 17 and I was already, I was talking at a conference, um, like at a small conference, talking about like getting school police off of my campus and how we need to have culturally relevant education. Um, Throughout my whole life, basically, I grew up in school systems where I learned about everything but me. No one in the book looked like me, talk, like it, could not relate to anything. So um, I was at a meeting talking about that at 17, and I had just got like some petitions signed or whatever. And so then someone walked up to me from uh, YJC, and they're like, look, like, I really appreciate what you're saying. Like, you're talking about getting rid of, like, school police and blah, blah, blah. They was like, I think you should apply to be with us, right? And at, the, at this time, I was, like, volunteering with, like, seven different organizations. So I thought this was just going to be another volunteer thing. I get there. Turn in, like, and they're like, you have to fill out an application. I'm like, you have to fill out an application to volunteer? Are you, what? I've never done that before. That's weird, right? So... I fill out the application, and then they're like, okay, your job interview is next. I was like, job? <laughs> job interview? I was like, what? So I just, you know, I'm really good at acting like I understand what's going on, even though I don't. <laughs> so I went, in, I went in, and I'm like, just pretending like, yeah, like, mm-hmm, like, yeah, answering the questions or whatever. Um, and it's, so it was like, it was like three brown men that had, had interviewed me. And I was like, that's so interesting. Your youth space and you pride yourself on diversity, but like there's not one black person mm -hmm. interviewing me or anyone that's not Latino. There's no women. Like, where's the women at? I said all this that it did not know this was a job interview, <laughs> but I'm just keeping it real. You know what I mean? I'm like, where's the representation? Like, what? And then so they're like, wow, we like that you called us out on that. Mm. <laughs> and then I, I was like, uh, okay. And then a week later, they're like, you got the job? I was like, what? <laughs> so I literally thought I was going to volunteer. Um, I literally thought I was going to go volunteer there, and I've, I ended up working there and getting paid to work there. But really, what, what really got me into organizing, I was five years old, and I come from a Muslim background. So, like, men lead prayer, women don't, right? So I always got told that I had a beautiful voice, right? And I was like, Mom, I remember asking Mom, I'm like, Mom, why can't I lead prayer? And my mom was like, you're a girl. Girls don't lead prayer. I never stopped repeating that in my head. Mm -hmm. And ever since that day, I feel like that kind of started a fire within me. And then also I got taken into foster care. So I was always used to systems telling me where I can and cannot live mm -hmm. and coming in and telling me what's best for me as if my life, as if I don't know what my life is. Even though I'm a kid, I'm like, I know what's best for me. And it's best for me to be with my mom. Like, we got taken away from my mom. It had nothing to do with anything she did. My dad committed a really heinous crime, like a very bad one. And so we witnessed it. So it was like child endangerment. But it had nothing to do with my mom. And then so that led me to start fighting against foster care. Like, we pay money to take kids out of homes, but we don't pay to keep kids in homes. Mm -hmm. Like, if we cared so much about taking care of kids, then my mom would have had a home. I always say this. If my mom's love was measured in houses, I would be rich. I would have a mansion. I would have 55 homes. I would have endless homes. But because, you know, because my mom didn't have money, like we were, like I'm from, I'm originally from Georgia. We came to California and my parents had divorced. And so we're staying with my grandma and my mom was in school to become a nurse. So the incident happened and we got taken away. But if they would have gave money to my mom, then none of that would have happened. And let me tell you this. I my dad shot my uncle's friend seven times in front of my face. I witnessed that, right? That is the easiest thing compared to going to foster care. I've never seen so, I've never experienced so much abuse physically, emotionally, sexually than I've ever in foster care. Like I've never seen, 
like culture being stripped away, having to only speak English and I speak Arabic too. Like just like even culturally, like you're not you're not allowed to be yourself and not allowed to be who you are. I cannot tell my mom I love her in the language of the first language I learned how to love in because of foster care. Mm. And I was there for three years. So like just that, like so I really feel like all those childhood experiences led me to start um fighting when I got older. And now I'm like the system would not tell me what to do. I'm gonna tell the system what to do. Mm-hmm. Like, and then that also, that also, that also led me to write poetry. I came out with the book a year ago because poetry is what sustained me through foster care and going through court and stuff like that. Because in my in my poetry book, you cannot control what I write. You cannot control what I say. You cannot control how I think. Only I can. Like, you can change my home, but you cannot change. You cannot take my book away from me. You cannot take my creativity away from me or anything like that. So I feel like all those experiences literally led me to organizing and now I fight to make sure that people have a, a choice and an option and just making sure that people are safe. Yeah, that's that's oh. basically what started me. That's amazing. Thank you all really for sharing mm-hmm. because I think um, being vulnerable, especially in a space where we are all just meeting each other mm-hmm. and um, I wanna let you know and I'm sure I could probably speak for all of us here, we are grateful for that because that's not easy. And um, hearing what's inspired you to do the work uh, really is insightful. And we feel all of your passion like comes through um, in what you're doing. So thank you, all three of you, for, for sharing that. That was And being so brave yeah. too to share. I don't think people people don't like to share their stories sometimes. Mm-hmm. But people also don't like to take the burden for for other people. Why take on the responsibility almost of communities and reaching out to families who need this help or other females who've gone through what you're doing, why put that on yourselves? Um, why put it, I guess that's not the culture that that we have at Chuco's or at YJC. YJC is in this awesome community center. It's called Chuco's. It's on 76th and Central. Um, so yeah, so when we talk about Chucos, it's like the whole building itself. You feel yeah, me? Like okay. everybody inside there is what makes it go around, you know? Um, and that's not our program, right? Like that's not what we do. We, at our high school, we do have men, women, and LGBT um, circles. So we really support each other. We're really a community and really like, you know, it's not like when Nipsey says it's not in you, it's on you type mm-hmm. stuff, right? So that's exactly how it is within us. Like, it's not rooted into our culture, right? Like, even as, you know, yeah, we're coworkers, we're peers, we're organizers, but we're also friends, we're also sisters, right? We mm-hmm. also know each other out of work and we hang out of each other out of work. But then, like, it has its hiccups, right? But it's not, that's not how we were brought in, right? So that we don't greet people like that, right? When people come to our space, it's an open space, mm-hmm. right? It's for anybody. If you want to throw a birthday party, if you want to throw a repast, if you want to throw a baby shower, whatever you want to do, just come here and do it at Chuco's <laughs> and make sure you do it safe, right? Like, it's for the community. Um, so I guess that's that's why we're just so open of just saying it because people tell our stories for us all the time. We read it in the books. We read it in other people's mouths as they're saying it, but we don't get to really tell our story. So I guess, like, that's really about just having an ownership to it and just, you know, being vulnerable to ourselves and being able to talk to those women, strong women that we have mm-hmm. in our space that helps us. I would say, I would say like for me, like Miss Stacy has helped me out too, right? Like our social emotional counselor. If I'm going through a mid-crisis, whatever it is, like she's there, right? And just to be able to have somebody there is what also makes us us, right? Because mm-hmm. if we don't know how to communicate with each other, like how would we know how to communicate to the world mm-hmm. about what's the issues that's going around in our community? Because if you think about it, politicians make decisions for for you mm-hmm. and what do you do about it like it, it's, it's really on you what, what you decide to do about it are you going to educate yourself are you going to educate others are you going to see the the matters that you, that you want in your community that's what we do when we're in the capital they're talking about these gun laws they're talking about this child labor laws they're talking about all these different things and we're because we're so working class people we're like it's not really meant for us to know like it, it doesn't trickle down but at the end of the day those issues matter to us right like it is our people that are getting locked up the black and brown people are the ones that are getting harassed you know like it is not them 
damn right. Like they go home and they eat a perfectly nice dinner with their family, right? Either they put the phone away or not, but they eat together and we don't, right? So like, I guess that's what it really just brings it. That when you go and motivate politicians, you have to tell your story. You have to be vulnerable to tell them like, our community needs help and this is how it needs help because mm -hmm. I live there. Mm -hmm. So I know what it needs, how it needs to be done. Mm -hmm. I would say. I love your question. <laughs> I would say. I, in close. <laughs> How did COVID um, affect what you guys do? I was, I was going to answer this. Oh, go ahead. Oh, See, yes. I, um, I was just going to say, like, what makes me take on, like, other people's fights is because someone took on mine. Mm -hmm. Like, it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. Like, someone That's somewhere, important. like, someone somewhere was like, you know, let me look over this family. Like it, it, like it could be ancestors. It could be like someone. So I owe it to someone else to help them because someone else helped me. And then also like black and brown people. Like if you look at like history, we're always been very communal. Like you come in our home, you want something to drink? You hungry? You sure? <laughs> Mom, she already said you sure. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like just getting getting back to because I went to so I went to Cal State. Like, I got my bachelor's degree in Pan African Studies with a minor in Latin American Studies, so I can understand myself better. If you understand yourself, you understand the world. So, like, when we talk about me, 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 I, 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 I'm like, that's not, if you look at, like, the history of Africa, we've always been very communal. Mm -hmm. So, like, when I talk about organizing, I'm talking about getting back to who we were before people told us who we were. Mm -hmm. So, like, because I go into a brown person, a Latino person's house, they be, you hungry? You sure? You, you sure? I'm like, no, I'm not hungry. But, but it's just, like, the communal yeah. thing. Like, you got eggs, I got eggs. Like, let's make some eggs together. So just getting back to that, I think that, that it, to me, is organizing within itself and just getting back to our historic roots. So I do it because I want to honor myself. I love that. That's beautiful. Um, I do the work I do because I feel like, as a young person, I lived a, like, a, I lived a risky life. Um, all of us don't have it easy. My mom is a single parent. Um, my father was deported before I was even born. Um, and I do have an older brother who passed away and an other brother who's schizophrenic. So um, it's hard. Mm -hmm. And so if there's, well, there is people like me who want to go outside and get it themselves rather than waiting on their mom or waiting for this and that. And it's because we don't have a lot of resources. And Chico's is a great resource. Internships, just somewhere to grow and be, that is the perfect place. So I do my work to bring young people in. I do my work so I can, you know, enlighten y'all. Um, you feel me? You don't have to take a risky-ass chance to, you feel me, get to where you want to be. There's better ways. And I've been learning over these last past years since I've been on probation I have not, literally. I'm scared to steal out of a little store. CarMax, anything, candy, anything. <laughs> I do not touch. I just don't. Because when you grow and you really got to sit there and think about it, it's people that's your age that's really sitting in jail for, like, stuff that they did, like, same age type thing. And they've been sitting in there forever. And nobody will give them another chance, mm -hmm. right? And it's like. Like, I only had six months to do what I had to do, right? And who knows where I would have been if I didn't, right? I could have been sitting in there, too. And I don't want to see people my age sitting behind bars. I got friends that got out of jail when they was, like, older. And, like, I go see them or we see each other. And I'm not going to lie. I had this one friend. And when I say he was off, like, something happened to him. He changed, like, his whole demeanor, his voice, the way he act. It really changed you, you feel me? And I don't want nobody to go through that. I'd rather y'all get the resources out here. I'd rather y'all better yourself out here. I'd rather, I'd rather us struggle for five months trying to find you something, trying to better yourself, rather than go and do something quick that can fuck your life up forever, right? Oh, it's ours. <laughs> um, <laughs> how did COVID um, interfere and if interfere, whatever, enter? Yeah. yeah. Like, what Inter did it did it make it things harder for you guys to work, or did it bring you guys closer? How did it change? Yeah. Your, your so we're still remotely. Like, mm -hmm. I work with the school. She works with the school. So I could go inside. If I want to, I do. I really choose to. So everything is still remotely. To us, it's like COVID is still real. Yeah. Like, you know, it, that's a trip, right? Like, it's a trip. 
how everybody's just, they just open everything, right? Because it's, it's generating money. But the mm -hmm. Capitol is shut down. The Board of Supervisors is shut down. The City Hall is shut down. Like, where you want to go and try to do public comment, everything is online. Mm -hmm. Like, so that is a trip to me. Like, so mm -hmm. do you care about us? Do you not care about us? Like, what is happening? But, you know, I would say that it kind of got easier, but it kind of got harder. It got easier because... You know, now you just really, we're working like hour by hour, setting a schedule, meeting with people, right? So you don't, it's traffic in LA. So we don't, we, you, we used to be like running around. It's crazy because we're so young and we do all this stuff. So sometimes it really gets to us. Like, why can't we just have like, why can't we just be regular people? Like, <laughs> but, but then why do we care so much? Yeah, yeah. like, you know, we'll be stuck in traffic. We have to think about what we go eat to get in a hurry up to get to this next meeting nine times out of ten they might have some snacks there maybe not you know right. we might just sit there why are we drinking coffee at two every minute got coffee <laughs> like damn so it kind of it, it, it like it's like a pros and cons to it right mm -hmm. because now it's remotely but then it's also like I got ADHD I got a short temper so I gotta be walking around as I am on zoom with my computer my tablet my phone something right like I can't just stay there that has been very difficult mm -hmm. I guess discipline has really been like really on top of me in order to make these calls in order to be productive and what I still do right like public comment is still happening everything is still happening but everything is still remotely right mm -hmm. um so I would just say like it has its pros and cons to it but at the same time like you know if you really want to do the work like the work is still going to be there and the work has not changed at all like it was is is very weird because it's just really really intense thing going on right now is youth justice reimagined where the board of supervisors um approved a, a new development of juvenile justice we like having to create a 15-year plan on what does juvenile justice looks like, what does alternative to incarceration looks like. Mm. So we just started those meetings, right? It was like a cool six months. We're joining these meetings. Uh, we're literally digesting the system. They're having work groups. What are probation officers gonna do? What are the facili facilities gonna look like if we close them down? What are the young people gonna do? Then we have yes teams. What does it look like when a young person does get incarcerated? What are the next steps, right? So we're having all these dopes, awesome. We're thinking about a new way of, of how to look into young people, right? But then this hits, right? And then we're just like, wow, like what's gonna happen? Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? They provided laptops for us. They provided hotspot for us. And they continue letting us know like we're still gonna be part of this movement. But then it does get intimidating because now not only we're not in person, but we're now on online. So our extension span is a bit smaller. Mm -hmm. So it gets irritating, right? Mm -hmm. So like I just said, like it has its pros and cons. The movement is still happening, right? Like in the beginning, we probably had car rallies which is now we're really creating traffic, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't do traffic before. We're like really now, doing traffic now. you're now. creating the traffic. You were trying to get out of it. Yeah. Yes. So we, we, you know, like those, like, it, we just, like, make the best of it. Mm -hmm. Like, right, um, we planned out this really, really dope-ass action when the whole George Floyd was happening, you know, like, we were all going to separate rallies ourselves, but we're like, wait, these rallies don't come out with an outcome. Like, where are the demands? Why are people mm -hmm. out here? So we came out with a really, really dope-ass rally during that whole time, and I just feel like it was just powerful to see that even though we're in COVID, people were still out there, mm -hmm. people were joining us, and it was just like, that was like, I planned it like on the ground with other young people. Then we brought other young people on board. And then just to see like the outward of it. And because of COVID, I w we were just like amazed. Like, you know, you know, I guess like, I guess because of COVID, people are really just pausing and really thinking about themselves mm -hmm. and where they want to see themselves because, like, most of the jobs just got shut down. Like, mm -hmm. if you're a producer, everything just got shut down. You, mm -hmm. can't, you can't do nothing. Mm -hmm. like camera production, you can't go nowhere. You don't have no concerts to film. You don't have nothing. So I feel like, you know, it just really... Um, we're just talking about this literally on the way over here. You know, it just really opened people's views. So I guess pros and cons to it. Yeah. I see a lot of benefits. Yeah. To be honest, like, um, I think organizing, like, you're always on the go. Like, you're never thinking about one thing. You're thinking about everything. So it's like, after this meeting, I have this meeting, I have this, 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 this. Write this speech, do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. 
like who's moving here, who's moving there, blah, 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 right? And so I think when COVID happened, I think it allowed us to slow down and assess because like you could be a jack of all trades or you can master some. So like, do you wanna, do you wanna have your hand in this pot and this pot, this pot? Or do you wanna bring all of your talents to a few things and then knock that off the part? So I think that was like, I think that's something we learned and I think that's conversations we had to have. Like we've slowed down some, but we've, we've been way more impactful. And you know, you know, we, we started young, you know, mm-hmm. like, so yeah. it was, we had a lot of energy, and stuff <laughs> that, uh, you know, and so we, we were like taking on a million things, like literally, like my mom, when I was living with her, she would have this joke that she would have to call me to see if I'm home or not, because <laughs> either I would like get up at 6 a.m., get back home at midnight, <laughs> 1 a.m., you, take a flight to D.C. You know that, what that looks like. Take a flight to D.C. Yeah. Go to the airport. Come back around, go to New Mexico, then turn around, go to Sacramento. Like, it was literally, and I, like, <clears throat> it was crazy. And now um, it's a little bit more calmer. Like, we, we, put ourselves in, we put ourselves in rooms that we know we can create powerful impact in yeah. instead of just, like, sprinkling it around. And now I can bring my full self to every room. And I could give it my all. So if something doesn't work out, I don't blame myself because I'm like, at the end of the day, I literally gave 110%. And if it didn't work out, it means it was not supposed to work out right now, but it mm-hmm. could work out later. Mm-hmm. Versus before, I would feel like, dang, like we didn't pass this policy. But I'm like, I'm, I, I got 10 other things I'm doing. Versus mm-hmm. now, I'm like, I feel when you give your all to something, you don't feel bad, right. whether it's good or bad, because you're like, I gave my all. This was not my time right now. Versus if you're doing a million things, you're like, I know I didn't give my all. So mm-hmm. then you really take the L, the loss to heart. But now I'm like, if something don't work out, it was not meant to. Because I mm-hmm. give my all 100% right now. So, yeah. yeah. I love that because I think it, it goes across probably every type of work is that COVID, I think, brought a prioritization to things yeah. where it was like, to your point, you were here, there, everywhere. Um, with that being said, where do you feel like you're putting the priority right now on, on what specific part of your work or what type of cause or what, where do you feel like is like the one that you're putting the most energy toward? And if you had to have support in, that would, what would that be? Yeah, I think, um, I love it. Um, right now, my priority is to the young people at the Free LA High School. Um, I had got this wonderful, wonderful, uh, you know, better job proposal to me, right? Like I was going to be the free LA coordinator, COVID hit, I couldn't really do nothing. So my job is basically to be the liaison person between the organization and the high school, making sure I flush down the information to our young people, but also grasp and understand what young people are into organizing because organizing mm-hmm. is not for everybody, right? So I identify those young people, connect them to the organizing, have people like Jazara, have people like me come on board to our team, but just because organizing is not for you does not mean that I'm not going to focus on you. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to focus on what do you want? Like I had people tell me like, I need a job. Like I really need a job, but I don't want to do what you do. Like give me another (laughs) job. So so if it's like, if it's, it's, and it also looks like me having connections with fast foods, having connections Mm -hmm. with the fast foods local around, having connections with the little mini stores that is around and then taking them on to, to, to the um, interview, Mm -hmm. like doing mocking interviews with them. I'm doing a resume, getting them a a simple button-up T-shirt. You might just need that. You know, just bring some black dark pants and wear black shoes, and I got you your shirt. Um, Or if it looks like going to to court support, right? Like, you know, if it looks like making sure a young person doesn't get incarcerated and gets to seen as a human being Mm -hmm. itself. Like, that's where my focus has been at, and I really, really just appreciate that I've worn so many caps throughout my whole entire journey of being with YJC that now I could do this, right? Like one of the biggest things I did earlier this, earlier last year is I really did a huge ass backpack giveaway. I gave out 250 backpacks and I used to go to backpack giveaway. So Mm -hmm. it it really like really meant something for me, right? Like they gave me the budget. I get to create my own spreadsheet on 
what, what kind of backpacks I want. Like, yeah, like I got 250 Jasper backpacks filled up with, you know, a basic notebook, color pencils, pencils, pens, and eraser, like just to start up to go to school and then to be giving it out in the hardest on Central, on 76 and Central, where resources don't really give mm -hmm. out to us and the resources that we do, we get the crumbs felt so good to me, you know, mm -hmm. and that's where my dedication is at at the moment. Um, and I'm just like so honored, right? Because then we bring in people like Jazara and then just get to blossom and do the most. But let me tell let me hit it back to Jazara because she's doing something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jazara, tell us. Um, so I, I realized I told y'all how I got the Chicos, but I didn't tell y'all how I got into organizing. So my teacher, he did pass away. Um, and he he was just like, he used to tell me all the time, like, you should go to court with them. You should do this with them. You should do that with them. And me, like, you tell me go to court with them? Like, hell no. Nah. I'm not even going <laughs> to lie to you. Hell no. Nah. And so I didn't, I didn't know what the work was about. But then I went to, I want to say this is when Corona, like, first started coming into play. And we wasn't even going up there for that. We was going up there for another bill. So I spoke on that. I made my public comment about that. And I ended up making my public comment about, you know, what I thought about Corona. And so, mind you, I didn't tell nobody I was doing this. I just, I just, I just felt some type of way. So I got up there. And everybody, they was looking at me and stuff. And everybody was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I just felt like real, you know, different. And so once I started getting into like, um, um, what is it? Um, endless, the Endless Probation Act, um, basically for juveniles and stuff, like I said, I had a six month probation period to get off probation. And it don't normally go like that for every, not in everybody's case. They don't give you like six months. They give you like a long period of time for mm -hmm. you to be on probation. And so that's what basically we were working on, like a six month like check-in period. If you like me, you did everything you got to do. You should be free to go. You feel me? So that's what I got into. Um, what I was going through, wanted to help people, you know, get out of that kind of situation. Um, and then my teacher passed away, Corona, and he was our garden teacher. So that's how I became the garden teacher. So right now, I, I think my main focus would be my garden and my students. Um, I was a student before I became their teacher, so I have more of a uh, understanding, like on a personal level, or like what they need, resources kind of thing. Um, and yeah, so right now, um, I'm not vegetarian, vegan, none of that stuff, but like, I don't be having no energy. I'm a chronic asthmatic. Um, I've caught pneumonia a couple times. So like, you know, different things. And I know I could eat better. I know I could drink better. I know I can, you know, so, um, I'm not going on like a healthy strike cause I'm gonna eat when I'm eat at the end of the day, <laughs> but, but we can incorporate some more greens. We can incorporate some smoothies. We can incorporate some vitamins, vitamins. I am anemic and I just, we here, we here. Yeah. So yeah, like we can all eat better. And that's just what I want to teach. And this is why I ask my students all the time. Every time we, I get a new set, this is what I ask them. Do anybody in here know who owns the seeds in the world? Seeds to grow produce. No. So um, it's Monsanto Farm, and Monsanto is in charge of Roundup Weed Killer. They're in charge of the Roundup seeds. Um, these seeds in this killer has been linked to all kinds of cancers, etc. Well, Monsanto has been, they first um, started out as a pharmaceutical company. So how you go from a pharmaceutical company to making produce? Um, but what they're doing are um, making it so that the produce does not reproduce. You mm. take those seeds out of what you eat and you plant them and you get nothing. That's, that's what they're doing. Um, and it's because they want to keep, I, I would say, um, I wouldn't say uh, population control, but like, if there was a natural disaster and we have nothing, who who do we we have to go to y'all? And it's up to y'all to give it to us. And even if we do have it, a lot of us, like myself, before I got into gardening like all the way, I didn't know how to really plant and really get produce 
and really know when it's time to harvest and know what this what a natural like a natural cabbage looks like a natural <laughs> spinach looks like like for real I never knew and the first time I ate out the garden I'm like dang it's really bugs in here like <laughs> like when I thought about gardening I didn't think about everything that you know sums up gardening bugs and worm farms and ladybugs and you want to track this and we got hummingbird feeders and yeah it's just yeah so yeah that's what I'm, I'm trying to teach everybody just a healthier way um she's she not giving herself enough props she has two hydroponic three hydroponic oh, yeah, yeah. um towers <laughs> that are yeah. filled with spinach kale Cilantro, onion, flowers. Come shop the chapel, please. Yes, please. Y'all need to come to our space. And it's called the Rebel Garden. And it's really because our old space used to be the old juvenile courthouse. We worked to shut it down. That's all another story. But we work on shutting it down. We are in there. And where the garden is at is the entrance where young people used to be brought in to be part of the court. So the young people used to be brought into there. And we have a whole garden there. And Jazar and her young people do this stuff and they just grow and literally like because you know she's trying to bring in the healthy stuff in and there's a food shortage our young people just look at it like it's okay we'll plant it but we don't right. want to eat it like right. we don't yeah. want it but it's real like I didn't even know a cauliflower glow grows in the middle of like a lettuce I was like is that cauliflower right there yeah. they're like yeah so it's just wild like she's not giving herself enough props but she really doing a whole garden thing out there and has a whole bunch of young people that are really into it like literally into it and you know they even asked to decorate the garden themselves. Can we get garden gnomes? Like, wow, I didn't even know you knew about garden gnomes. <laughs> I know. But I would say our number one problem with, well, I wouldn't say problem because it's a great thing. You just need to find the resources. Um, things grow like really, really fast. Like she said, I have, I have like a regular garden with garden beds and then I have those three hydroponic towers and they grow a lot of stuff at one time, which means like all of that stuff be ready around the same time. And it's not, uh, it's not, it's, we don't get the stuff out fast enough. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of it, I wouldn't say go to waste because we use it for um, composting. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of stuff can go, more stuff can go out. We have a lot of stuff that we be trying to come pick it up, <laughs> come pick it up, <laughs> come pick it up. So that's the only thing. Um, and also we, um, I just partnered with somebody um, called Ruckus Roots. If you guys want to get into anything like that. Um, when we do go back to school, this is not just for the students. This is for community. So if you girls want to get into gardening, we will be doing a mural. We all will be getting basic learning about gardening, et cetera. Um, food naturalists, plant naturalists, all that kind of stuff, all the health issues and benefits of plants, flowers, all that stuff is very much edible. And come to me. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> oh, right here. Um, <laughs> um, something that I'm focusing on um, specifically a lot this year is like stuff around foster care so I'm trying to make sure that if your child if DCFS gets called on you making sure that you have a lawyer um, when DCFS gets to you because a lot of times um, parents will like yeah you know I've whipped my kid once or twice or whatever they don't understand that anything you say can and will be mm -hmm. used against you <laughs> in the court of law Right. But it's like they don't they don't tell you that when you're when you're gonna go um when when a social worker comes out. People assume like social workers are on your side and stuff like that. And people just be honest, but I want my kid once or twice before. I'm like, don't say that. Don't tell them that. Because then like we I'm pretty sure y'all have seen in the news like how so many um kids are being killed because of abusive foster parents. Mm -hmm. Um we just it's so many kids that get abused. And in LA counties, there's 13,000 kids in foster care currently. Um, that's a huge number. And a lot, of it, a lot of it, some of it has to do with language barriers. Like parents gave their kids away because they, did, they didn't have an interpreter. Just making sure that parents are getting um, 
or getting the support that they need. And another thing that I'm doing is making sure that young people get the f- support that they need while in foster care or navigating those systems. And then something else I'm doing is like just working on like using my poetry and like creativity more to do policy work. Cause I used to do that. I used to like help, like I used to turn like my poetry into like policy work and I've helped pass like certain policies over that. I mean around that, but now I'm kind of getting back into that and prioritizing that more. And then also working around jail expansion. So like I'm decre- I'm trying to decrease like um, jails. Yep. <laughs> I got some goals. I have like a, I have a few jails in my head that I want to close this year, but I'm a I'm still manifesting it. Okay. Um so that's like what I'm working on um this year. But something I really want to say is that we all do different type of work. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day it goes towards helping the community. And that is to say that it does not matter what you do in life. It literally does not, as long as you do it with the best intentions and you do it with a good heart because then you're going to keep spreading goodness. A lot of times people are like, you know, tell me that I can't be like you. I don't, I'm like, what do you do? They're like, oh, I do music. I'm like, I'm like, so do you know music will be here? Like music was here before you and it will be here after you. So if you leave positive music, do you think the next generation will listen to that? they're like, yes. I'm like, okay, so do you think you're helping shape people's mind in a positive way? Do you think that you need your mind to do good work? They're like, yeah. I'm like, so are you doing good work? Yes, you are. Like whatever, whatever you do in life, whatever talent you have, whatever you think you're good at or whatever, you can bring that to the movement. It it doesn't have to look like any of this. Mm -hmm. It could be conversations. Or if you know you have someone in your family that's a little problematic, you know, like, mm, like, let's work on this. And then you help that person be a better person. That, that is movement work in its essence. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to go to city council. You don't have to do any of that. You could literally, look, I got an extra sandwich. Let me go give it to a houseless person. Yeah. You could make friends with houseless people in your community. Like, there's so many things you could do to just make this world a little bit of a better place. And I think that is organizing at its core. It doesn't, it does not mean passing policies. You don't got to do all that. If you're not into you ain't got to do all that. But whatever you do, as long as you do something. Yeah. I think that's, like, what's most important. Harvesting your passion. You're an inspiration. Mm-hmm. All yeah. three of you. Like, hearing yeah. everything that you've been through, how you're putting that into your work, how you're doing it for people that you don't even know, <laughs> right? You're doing it. You're putting good out in the world. It's, it's an amazing, amazing thing. And yeah. really kudos to you. All three of you for that because it's it's amazing. It's Thank amazing. You. Yeah. Thank you for your heart. Yeah. The love don't snap. Yeah. So I'm here for it. Yeah. I feel like we can be here for like I know. eight hours just hearing for all of sure. your guys' stories. But your passion and your love. <laughs> That's how we can get involved. That would be our last yes. thing. Is- We'll give you all a card. Yes. We got an Instagram page. I can come get some vegetables. Yes, girl. Take (laughs) off. We should have had a whole bunch today. I could have. Next time. It's all good. We know where to find you now. What's Instagram account? It's Youth Justice LA. Youth Justice LA. Think they got well, it. thank you, yeah, thank ladies. You. Thank you for not only sharing your guys' stories, your passion, but thank you for being here. And I know that you ladies also felt their passion as well. So thank you so much. Yeah. Episode thank seven, you. man. So great meeting you. <laughs> <laughs>